The Agora podcast is covered by a BIPCOT no-gov license. Use and reuse is free and encouraged by anyone except governments or their agents. Find out more at BIPCOT.org. operation of the machine becomes so odious makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part you can't even passively take part and you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels upon the levers by all the apparatus and you've got to make it stop you were born free you got fucked out of half of it you wave a flag celebrate <laughs> Central authority has just embedded right in it uh, its own problem, and that is that it means a few people make decisions for many people. folks welcome back to the agora podcast it's penguin as always here talking about agorism localism radical decentralization and anti-authoritarian concepts um, we have a very special episode here for you today um, joining us is uh felix sanchez joining us from the uh, rocky mountain so also known as rocky mountain chaos because that's that's his stomping grounds um and uh felix is an anarchist and uh, Felix, why don't you go into a little bit of uh, background, what, what you do, and uh, what you're known for? Oh shit, uh, I don't, I don't think you want to know what I, what I'm known for. <laughs> no, um, uh, my background. So uh, I'm just an American citizen that's uh, just had enough of this shit. Um, I, uh, I originally came from a. Uh, very blue collar democratic Philadelphia, uh, left there, went into the army and made my way over to the red side of things. And then after that, I said, fuck all that noise became a libertarian. And then, uh, libertarians eventually pushed me, uh, straight over to anarchism. And now here I am doing that. Um, geez, what I'm known for, I'm known for just saying stupid shit on Twitter. Really? Um, I don't know. I just I just call it how I see it. Um, I don't like to sugarcoat things. If I see something stupid, I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on. I'm going to tell you that what you just said was stupid and tell you why. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm known for. Yeah. And um, so I think you. Uh... I mean, All right. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. So coming from coming from the libertarian sphere, what kind of. Uh, pushed you out of that kind of made you uh disaffected with um what you were seeing on the kind of more conservative side libertarians pushed me away from libertarianism um hey it's sick i wanted to tell you guys about cozy graphics she is a uh 
Uh, she's local to me. She's in our Freedom Cell. Uh, very like-minded individual. Uh, she is starting a, a graphics company. Uh, so this spot is for all your you entrepreneurs out there. For your graphics and advertising needs, call Cozy Graphics. She, she provides creative custom solutions like logo design, brochures, and flyers, leave-behind cards, business cards, menus, banners, and posters, vehicle magnets, booklets, and catalogs. To schedule a free consultation, call Cosima at area code 865-544-8623. And I can vouch for this person. I know them personally. Um, very, very cool and decent human being. And again, she's very like-minded. And um, so check her out. Um, she's just starting out. And um, get send her your business if you need it. Thanks. Uh, I got sick of that left libertarian and right libertarian. And you're either with us or you're either or you're against us. It's almost like there's almost like a a a verbal civil war going on in in the libertarian world um and in my mind there shouldn't be a left or a right libertarian like we already got the democrats and the republicans for the left and the right the libertarians are supposed to be libertarians um and it's been completely taken over well, i'm not gonna say completely taken over it's like 50 50 where it's you know people are left-leaning and then people are right-leaning but uh the right-leaning ones tend to be the loudest ones so they get the most attention um and they do and then if you don't agree with them they're they're no different than the democrats and the republicans they'll try to tear you down if you don't agree with them um that's why that's what pushed me away when i first became a libertarian everybody was more inclined to to talk about differences of opinions and and outlooks and all and then uh now they they it's like they have written two different sets of principles and you must abide by these principles or you're not one of us, you're my enemy type of stuff, you know? Um, and that that really pushed me away. That's where I, like the Libertarian Party was my last hope at uh, um, solving things in this country through elections and all. And it's I see it's just not possible. Um, everybody in this country well, not everybody. Most people in this country are so thick-headed and set in their in their ways. They're never going to. They can't sit down and talk. Everybody has figured. Everybody has has lost the concept of, you know, you got to give a little to get a little. Um, you know, just meeting halfway. Yeah, um, that that pushed me away from it all. Um, I developed my own principles, and I don't care what other people's principles are. Just as long as your principles don't impede on mine i don't give a shit so yeah that pushed me over to anarchism yeah and i think you're kind of right when you lead on to that maybe there's some of this is more recent and more recent of a development and then some of this i think is this long-standing issues with uh libertarians in general i think you have i think you identified like this real culture war bleed over that's certainly not entirely novel but like it's really taken over and and just speaking for myself like where i'm coming from i didn't come to this to want a, a left white right culture war divide i didn't want to like replicate what 
it's interesting what statists are doing. And I always found that kind of stuff deeply dis dissatisfying. But I mean, at the same time, they're trying to um, wade into the electoral game. And the left fight political thing is totally like a, uh, it's totally electoral. It, it, it may not seem like it. people say it's, it's a culture, it's the values that we hold. But like the left, what we define as left right is totally defined by the political parties. And um, I, I don't see why people that claim to, to, to hold uh, like deep libertarian principles just want to recreate that. Um, because really, that's the political divide that we're, I thought that we're rejecting by going to, to looking to our libertarian solutions. Right. Yeah. Like, like, long story short, the libertarian party uh, has just been completely taken over by uh dejected republicans that's basically what happened um if you look at them and the way the, the way they're doing things now now all of a sudden they're a, a bunch of them are pro-cop and everything and, and that's what it is they're basically they're like that old meme they're just republicans that want to smoke weed and own machine guns you know and uh rather than going into the republican party and and pushing for decriminalization or legalization of marijuana and shit they decided you know what we're going to take i'm taking my ball and i'm going home i'm going over to this party instead um and they ruined it they ruined libertarianism that way um they're just pushing the state and the libertarian party was was made to move away from the state now these guys are just pushing it and promoting it that's the you know they they want to be part of the in the in crowd that's what it is yeah it's it's and, certainly like a new bunch of these guys that are just absolutely embracing what you're talking about specifically like this rise of the culture war ever since like trump about 2015 when trump and uh announced candidacy oh shit just really started to pop off then um but that's really always been a problem like when i first um when i first heard about libertarianism i kind of i you know i knew there's a lot of libertarians there's big l there's small l this little party and it's actually the a bunch of different philosophies but i wanted to kind of put my feelers out kind of see what was going on with the uh local libertarian party and when i got there like it was one of the most um deeply dissatisfying things it really turned me off maybe it's a good thing to like the electoral solution but they were um and i later found out they were notorious for this they were notoriously um and this is the, not the state but the, specifically the local affiliate they were like notoriously like you said, dejected Republicans that, oh, you know, we have a, they have a pretty strong Republican party out there apparatus and they, they wanted to be like a big fish in a small pond because they couldn't be anything in the local Republican party. Cause there's, there's a bunch of movers and shakers in there. And, exactly. um, and I knew where the Republicans mix actually it's, it's, um, where I was working at the time. And so these guys were up there starting the, um, well, it's military town, so they're all like military vets. Nothing wrong with that, but like they're all starting the starting the meeting with the uh, pledge of allegiance and the Lord's prayer, and they're doing uh, they're all talking about how great the the bases and the uh, the carriers and everything are, and just support the troops and all that stuff. And it's like, uh, and I thought it was just like, is this how this isn't what I like? This that wasn't the libertarianism that I had heard up until then and i'm like these guys are a joke and i later turn learned that like there's people that wanted to try something new and i needed like reach out to these guys because you know 
I mean, libertarians and caps, these guys, I mean, they're, 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 they're people. They're a lot closer to us than the average status, especially some, somewhere like where I live. Um, even just for like social connections and everything, but like these guys were an absolute joke. So I've seen it firsthand. Yeah, that's uh, Colorado Springs. So I live in the town that the Libertarian Party was founded in. Like I think yesterday or the other day was the 50th anniversary. Um, it was founded right here in Colorado Springs where I live. Colorado Springs is a huge military town. We got Fort Carson that has like 20,000 soldiers, I think. Um, someone might have to fact check me on that, but it's huge. That's where I was stationed. I got my last duty station was here. And I, when I got out, I just wound up staying here. Uh, this became home. But uh, we have that. We have the Air Force Academy here. We have Peterson Air Force Base. We have Schriever Air Force Base. And I live on the mountain. And if I look up just a little bit, um, I look right at the entrance to NORAD. This is a huge, it's one of the largest military towns in the country. Um, it's all ex-military here. And ex-military tends to be uh, Republican. They really do. They tend to be Republican. Um, so I'm in a, a, a very Republican town. Yeah, so uh, Colorado, it sounds Springs is still, Colorado Springs is still holding red. Um, Denver and Boulder, the other cities up north, they're blue now. But Colorado Springs mm -hmm. is still holding red. You still see a lot of Trump flags around town. Um, all the, you know, it's, it's very Republican. For being, but for being the founding city of the Libertarian Party, I don't think I've ever met a Libertarian in this town. And it's kind of weird. Like, this should be the stronghold for that party. And I've never met one here, honestly, in a county of 720,000 people. I've never actually met a Libertarian in this town. It's, it's, it's weird how that works out. Yeah. Now on, the, now, on the flip side of that, of course, um, you know, we started talking about and still do very often um the philosophy of of agorism so samuel edward conkin third the um guy that did and came up with uh agorism or agorism sorry a little bit of background noise there um he was uh, obviously very opposed to uh the formation of the party and activism through the party and uh he i think he actually actively recruited people away from the party that there is no there isn't in his there wasn't in his mind an electoral solution and uh, I definitely, obviously, uh, wanted people to embrace the philosophy of counter, uh, the, the uh, praxis of counter economics and um, creating an underground economy and uh, networks. So basically creating an, a secondary economy outside the state. Um, so that was the big, uh, well, if you're a fan of agorism, that was the, uh, the two diverging paths back in the 70s is uh, when they formed the party and when he um, actively was against the party and denounced them as part as what he would call party archists. And, um, you know, so there's always been like an intense skepticism of the idea of having a libertarian party in the first first place. And, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm ambivalent sometimes. Uh, it, it just depends on what you expect out of the party. I certainly don't expect them to win elections in like, gain power and no. enact liberty but could they do some good on some level well well maybe and of course the libertarians aren't all the party but i mean in terms of having a party that is like where people usually are first introduced to the word and when they hear libertarians they think libertarian party just for better or for worse i mean isn't it isn't that would that be true in your experience 
yeah, there, there's definitely that big difference between the big L and little L libertarian. Um, so my path from Democrat, Republican, libertarian, libertarian, anarchist, that libertarian, libertarian, the first one is the big L, second one's the little L. Um, yeah, there's, 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 but what you were saying, they can, the party could do some good. Um, they got to think more local though. That's the thing. They need to start small. We're all about that. They're never going to win federally. Never. Um, I could see in a lot of smaller towns, if they went in their libertarian candidate went in and said, Hey, you know, I'm going to lower your taxes and stuff, stuff that, you know, that could help out in small towns, they'd have a, a better chance. But honestly, how many people are, it's, it's like nobody, they don't want to put in the work. They just want they just expect the grand prize at the end. Um, you got to start out small, just like with everything. Um, Hey, Sek here. I wanted to tell you guys about Agora Print. Uh, this guy's a friend of my, ours, um, friend of my ladies as well. i uh, known him for a while. Very like-minded individual, um, hardcore agorist. Uh, he owns a uh, t-shirt company, printing shop. Um, that's at agoristprint.org. And uh, he's printing some shirts for us, for the podcast. He's printing some shirts for... Um, he will be printing some shirts for my business. Uh, he takes, uh, you know, fiat, Bitcoin, gold, silver, barter. He's, he, he's up for all of that. Um, so go check him out at, uh, agorisprint.org. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. They, uh, I, I don't know, man. They, they, <laughs> Yeah, it's, to me, the, just, the they, libertarian... They, they, it's like... Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry, but I, I'm just jumping in. To me, the, the Libertarian Party is... Well, number one, it was kind of started to um, to more... Pro, rather than any sort of political solutions, it was started to just further the message because at the time, libertarianism or, or uh, libertarian anarchism was like six people in Murray Rothbard's living room. So it was yeah. just meant to, at the time, it was almost started as like a half joke to kind of spread uh, the message. And if it's got any use at all, especially on a national stage, that that would be it. It's just to to spread, uh, have somebody up there speaking on a national podium, some decent messaging. And that would be about it. I, I have no hope for political solutions. And you're right. If there if there is any political solutions to be had, it would be on a very small local level. You know, join your local town's LP, whatever, if you want to do that sort of thing. Right. But, um, to, to, but to me, that's not even if you want to, even if you accept that as like a, a viable strategy. To me, that's not the most. That's not where it's at. That's that's not even the most effective strategy we could we could be doing. Um, but. For a lot of people, like Penguin said, the LP is kind of a. This was not the case for me. I never, I've never been a member of the LP. But um, for a lot of people, it's like the, the 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 nexus. It's where people go to meet to find out what's real, you know, better stuff that's going on. Kind of like the gateway. It's the gateway. Yeah. 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 Which is it's, fine, it's the, but it's the path. It is the pathway to anarchism. Um, you kind of need that as a stepping stone to get there, to get the, to get the anarchism. Um, but 
when it, it's got to be that little L libertarian that takes you to anarch uh, takes you to anarchism it's never going to be that big l because that big l it's it's a political party it's a power grab um people say like you know libertarianism is you know it is the the gateway to anarchism um that's just for personal you know personal beliefs and philosophies say if somehow everybody thinks like oh the libertarian party can do this and then start limiting the government it's like you you think if they win and start getting these positions of power, they're going to start giving up that power? Obviously not. No. Elected politician is going to willingly do that. None of them are. Not even the Green Party, and none of those are. They're, none of them will do that. Yeah, it comes down to like that. a. It comes down to a, a misunderstanding of the nature of power to begin with. <clears throat> because um, anybody that gets into power, this is why I will. I don't. I can't have power either. Even being an anarchist. Because it will corrupt all every every single person. I don't care if you're a libertarian or whoever. The, if you get into power, it's going to change how you act. That's just the way the nature of the beast. So I don't understand like, and I, and I think they're good hearted. I, I really don't think they have like. Well, some of them do, but I don't think a lot of them have ill will. I think they really believe that they can get in there and somehow make things better. Um, but this is just this is naive at best, and it's a grift at worst. Um, I, I, I just I, like I said, it comes down to like a, <clears throat> a misunderstanding of the nature of the power. Number one, it's a fool's errand. If they get in there, they're just they're not going to be able to actually do anything. And number two, if they ever they actually were to make able to make changes, the power would corrupt them, and the money would corrupt them, and they would just be like any other politician. Um, the same would have been true for Ron Paul as well. Um, if he got in there, you know, they would either stonewalled him or, um, he would have, the, the power would have corrupted him, you know, just like anyone else, maybe to a lesser extent, but it, 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 it changes the nature of who you are as a human being. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, I think that it seems like the, like Rand Paul is a great example for this. Like, it seems like these cat candidacies and these campaigns can raise have the potential to raise like a huge amount of awareness of certain things so like we said the gate like i said the gateway the nexus like you said of delving more into these ideas let's look this up let's 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 do some research let's go let's go on google what so on the party level i the problem i see is that a lot of them take the uh, electoralism very seriously and they don't realize the potential that they have to be actually not just the potential like the actual amount of uh interest that they actually can build through um putting these campaigns out there putting this putting this messaging out there not that they're going to win an election they're not going to win elections they're not going to win get uh, more than like two or three percent of the votes but how many like eyes and ears are they getting and how many people form their impression of even if they don't look into it further or if they do look into it further um and i mean that's just like it can be instant as soon as they they can bring in like i said the eyes and the ears and maybe have the first you know google search or the first um you know asking a friend that you know is is a uh a, has libertarian type ideas and i use the term really broadly i mean it's it's i use it as an umbrella term um, it's not a specific set of I ideas and principles. I mean, there's a lot of people with varying levels of libertarian ideas until you until you get to um, get down to brass tacks. Like you have no idea what you're talking about, and it certainly doesn't always culminate into a uh, libertarian um, anarchism. Um, 
So I, it's, I don't want to say that like every every libertarian person is a decent person becomes a, a libertarian anarchist, although that is a a result of that. But I think they don't realize the potential they have, or not the potential. They don't realize that they are the gateway to these ideas. And instead of like treating that role really seriously, they're out there either like trying to phone bank and get 3% of the vote, like on a good day, or they're out there just making a fool of essentially like of a bunch of really good ideas are full of us and, you know, really making some ideas look absolutely horrible in the name of like dunking on, like you were saying, like dunking on each other, libertarians dunking on other libertarians. So, and we've yeah, seen a lot of that. They just, they just, they, they don't want to actually fix or solve anything. They just want to be more right than the other persons. That's what that is. There's a lot of with, that. When you yeah. said, with, with the dunking on each other. They just want to be the, the, the top dog, the head guy, the one with the most followers, the one with the most clout, and the one who, whose opinion is regarded as being uh, more correct than someone else's. That's all, that's all it is. It's, it's, they're just trying to sit at the cool kids table in the cafeteria. So do you rather think than actually, that the, rather than actually solving anything, do you think that the the <clears throat> libertarian to or big L to small L libertarian to anarchist do do we think the party is the only the only path for that? Like that that wasn't the path for me, but I had so <laughs> so do we think the party is like the only path? Do you know what I mean? Like uh, that was not the path for me. I mean, but I had a slightly different upbringing i was you know i was raised by anarchists so I, I didn't have the libertarian to libertarian to anarchist path but i recognize that my situation is probably not everybody's situation you got a, so, you got a little bit you got a little bit different of a situation than most people well that, you know that, that people. also that also helped me out a lot because my parents thought that both left and right were bullshit terms so that that upbringing, that that sort of like being the left and right are bullshit, and the the, the same the wings of the same bird kind of deal, that helped me a lot because that when I, f you know, when I was studying anarchism and liberty as a young person, I always thought of it as something completely separate from left and right. That really benefited me a lot in my sort of the way I thought about li uh, freedom and liberty and. It, it's not it's something that exists outside of that like sort of left right paradigm and um and that's i think I that yeah exactly right so i don't understand what, that's what i was why. looking for that's, that's what i was looking for but that's what i saw too like up until up until kind of getting involved in either like the you know uh, lp affiliates or getting involved with like uh libertarian social media outlets it's it's then you you started to see oh wait a minute that's this very tinge this is very tinge with like with um the kind of politics that like i think a ton of, of the populace really is sick and tired of they just they don't really really see an alternative yeah, on the on the left and right, the, the left and right populists, they're just tired of the system as as well. And I think there's inroads to be made there, but you know, the problem is is like we we build these inroads to these types of people and then it seems like the libertarian movement will say brings all of that changes their stance rather than the other way around. So they become more like right-wing populist or left-wing populist rather than 
bringing those people over there and and sort of changing their mind. So is is there another way to do it? You know, like I, I'm not necessarily saying we have to like convince everybody of our ideas, but the people that are interested in liberty is the only path. The fucking party. You know what I mean? Like, is there another way to circumvent that sort of uh, that being the gateway? Because <laughs> it's not a good gateway. Yeah. I I think I think a way a, a good way to do it is we need to make people aware that um you don't you don't need to have a dis, a, an opinion formed on a subject before actually hearing what the subject is. That's what separates the left and the right. They know no matter it, you could, you could have a subject written down on a piece of paper and stuffed in an envelope. And before you even read out what the, what the topic is, people on the left and the right are going to have their minds made up already before even listening to what the issue is. Um, that's, we, we need to make awareness to that. Like, I mean, it's, it's a shame. We got to say, we need to make people aware that sit down and and think about the issue you know don't just take a stance based on your political party affiliation that's where that's where a lot of the problems lie so here's um, the thing also, okay sorry i don't mean to interrupt you because no, you're making good. an important no, no, point but you're making an important point but here's the thing the people you're talking about the partisans on both the left and the right are the democrats the republicans that you know you're not going to change their minds number one but the ones that are like all in for their team, red team, blue team. That's actually a small percentage of the American population. Believe it or not. They're the loudest right. and they're the ones that with their heels dug in the most. And they're the ones that are doing the most arguing. But the vast majority of people in the U.S. didn't vote in 2016. Do you know what I'm saying? They did, they're yeah. independent. They're non-declared. They're apolitical. They're apathetic. They don't care about voting they just it's not even that they're, they're not anarchist either they just don't care about any of this they're so the people that you're talking that. about are the you hear them the most because they're the most vocal on either side right so most people sit somewhere i don't even want to say in the middle just like sort of independent like no they don't really if they're political at all that most people are just not involved with this at all it's it's like it's like 10 percent and uh on either uh, of the people on either side screaming at each other the loudest while the rest of the people are just going about their fucking day and ignoring it. You know what I'm saying? So it's, right. I think, I don't think there's any hope in those people that you're talking about, but I think, I don't think the vast majority of people are that way. They just, you just don't hear from them. So I think there's a lot of pressure. So we, need, we need to get to those people. So I like to say that, 25% of the country is Democrat, 25% of the country is Republican, 25% of the country is Republican, and 50% of the country is undecided. It's that 50% yes. of the undecided that we really need to be focusing on and letting yes. them know, like, most people don't even realize there's other parties out there. They don't. And it's because those two got a stranglehold on all the media and all the attention. And we need to bring the attention to the to, to the 50% of undecideds, like, Hey, there are other ways to do this, you know, like you yeah. don't have to go with one of those. So like you said, a lot of people didn't even vote in 2016. They're the smart ones in the country because they realize both of these candidates are bullshit. Yeah, like that 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 election, that election was decided on which one of the it, it, 
I, most of the people didn't vote for who they wanted to win. They voted based off of who they didn't want to win. Yep. A yeah, lot it, of people really didn't want Hillary to be president. You know, and that, that speaks volumes. That, that, right. That, I that, forgot that, who that, said that, it, but, but somebody said uh, the country hated Hillary Clinton so much that they voted for something, someone they hated even more, and that was Donald Trump. Yeah. That was, that was, yeah. You were voting for who just because you hated the other party. That was all the, that was. All that was. And like you said, most, and like we both said, most people didn't even vote for any of these two fucks. And it's not that they're, they agree with us ideology, ideologically. It's just that, uh, they're, most people, I think, are just apathetic and apolitical. And and that's fine. I, those are the people that we, I think we have the best, best, uh, chance of, of reaching out to for sure. Yeah. That election was like drastic and extreme example of um but but it's it's shown that like that's what the system kind of boils down to so the american let's let's just break down the american electoral system for a minute uh we have like first past the post voting winner takes all i'm not a super um big uh election nerd of course not a huge fan of voting and uh, I don't, I'm not going to go into the whole game theory aspect of it, but the end result of the way we run elections in this country is that it has to boil down to like two parties to cover the entire electorate. Like you got you, you because there's, there's so much, what you get is you get series of like elections where there's defensive voting, where people are, they've, they've worked this out. This is, you can watch some YouTube videos on it. Um, it might link some, but it, it, through defensive voting of trying to, trying to kind of combine forces in a multi-party system, trying to combine forces to prevent the least, um, the least uh, desirable. So like the one you candidate you really don't want to see get into office, you end up whittling the whole system down to two parties. So when you, when you go down to two parties, uh, every election is basically voting against the person you don't want to. And I can just say this as a, person who's been on this earth for over three decades like every election is voting for the against the person you really don't want to see in that office nobody's particularly satisfied or like a, a small percentage of people are usually zealous behind a certain candidate um that's that 25 percent that i mentioned yeah yeah exactly yeah um but I, you know you could see a lot of them with trump you don't see like uh, Biden. the biden election it's another great example of that because you really don't see like, like a huge groundswell of support in, in favor of biden but what was it i mean people were dissatisfied with trump and that's about it and then they wanted to they wanted to run the least like the most vanilla candidate so that so, so he couldn't they couldn't um turn that they could turn off so their candidate, the Democrats, could turn off as few people as possible so they can just get all the anti-Trump votes. And, I mean, it's pretty sad state of affairs, I guess, kind of when you see all the people that like really um, need, you know, look to a national leader to be uh, a leader, so to speak, and have, uh, you know, Joe Biden. It's good news for us because yeah. we can uh... – the more dissatisfied people are with this uh, electoral system, the more we can convince us, convince them uh, of our ideas more broadly. But I'm not even talking about in terms of like convincing them through like logical arguments. I just mean even like uh, <clears throat> showing them better ways through like direct action or community organization or 
uh, teaching somebody how to shoot, whatever the thing is, is like you can change people, those people's minds that are dissatisfied with the system um, in a lot of different ways, whether that's convincing them by talking to them or just, you know, convincing them by showing the, you know, deeds. Or, yeah, um, yeah, we, it, need to, we need to, the, the, you want to know the problem. So at 50% of the country, they do not like the way things currently are. They don't. Um, now a huge portion of that 50%. Uh, so it's like that 50%, they do want change. They want change. They don't want, they don't like things, the things the way they are now. A huge portion of them though, it's almost like a satanic panic outlook towards anarchism. And that's because the world, like the, the you know, the, the powers that be promote that, well, without government, you know, without government oversight, there's just going to be widespread violence and nothing can work without the government. I mean, that's that's basically the current government saying, like, you need us, you know, and they get the media behind it. But it is it's almost like that, like that satanic panic from the from the 80s, uh, that that sort of view towards anarchism. And like you were saying, a lot of like public outreach, getting out there and showing them like that anarch anarchists aren't violent people. They're really not. Um, we just want to be left alone and be, you know, we just want to live our lives. We don't want to we don't want to you know screw with anybody else or fuck with somebody else's life um so yeah that community outreach would be the biggest thing um i've been kind of beating around the idea it may be a little too late to do it but i would have loved to like a big push for new year's day um i was considering this last weekend new year's day have everybody or anarchists all over the country on new year's day go out and do something like feed the homeless or something like that you know go out and actually help the community and show like we're not bad people like yeah we're anarchists but we're not you know the guys that the media says like oh these anarchists are down here and they're smashing windows and they're doing this and they're doing that and it's like no we're real anarchists we're out here trying to help people out um i really wish i would have thought of that idea sooner to make yeah, a you're a bit late. Sure. That's got to be a yeah. hard portion, like a month. Not I really even. wanted it to be New Year's Day. Like the the first, I thought that would have some sort of like symbolism. Symbolism, yeah, symbolism. No, I mean I've been <laughs> to, saying you know, you're you're right in line with with us because we've been saying for years, like you know, growing a garden or feeding the uh, feeding the hungry or helping your neighbors or helping the elderly in your community is far more revolutionary than you know going out I, going out in the streets and marching with guns or smashing windows it, it, you're gonna you're gonna do more to to push the goals of freedom and human liberty by going out and helping people than you ever will um, by you know rioting or marching or anything of that sort not that I'm against marching with guns I just think it's mo far more effective to um, to be seen, like you said, as as an anarchist, to be seen as a positive influence in your community, rather than somebody that's scary. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, I get it. Uh... Hey, Zach here. I wanted to introduce you guys to Appalachian Apothecary. That is, uh, that's my lady. Um, she makes. 
boatload of tinctures, salves, uh, medicines, um, some uh, libations, um, all, all very good, all from stuff we grew here at the homestead. Um, and she knows what she's doing. She's a wizard. Um, you, you may have heard her on the chemistry episode. But uh, if you're interested in any of that, um, go ahead and touch base with me um, at Sekmagora on Telegram. S-E-K-M-C-G-O-R-A. All one word, all caps. Or you can find us in the uh, Agora Podcast Discord telegram or find us on twitter at agora underscore pod thanks bye marching with guns that's got it that that has its time and its place you know like hey i'm allowed to i'm allowed to do this type of deal i get that right but yeah in a situation like this it's like no leave all the guns and everything at home you know make make some bag lunches get out there and hand them out to the homeless you know, go out, do this, like community outreach, go help, you know, the elderly in the area. Um, that's, that's, that's going to be, that's going to be our biggest weapon or not weapon. Geez, poor choice of words there. Our biggest tool when it comes to, uh, you know, showing the, that, that 50, that 50% that is undecided and just fed up with everything that, you know what, these guys aren't that bad. Yeah. You let know, me break do down see positive change in the world. Yeah. Let me break down kind of, um, kind of distill an overall message that we've been talking about and bounce this off you that we've been talking about since beginning the, the podcast. So basically like this conversation we've had is the most political, politically oriented uh, conversation we've had. We don't really talk politics a lot. And I'm actually happy to do it because it's like, there's some topics that we can bring up that I've been wanting to like, uh, you know, want to discuss with some people, bounce some ideas off. But what we generally talk about is kind of like sex said, our form of, uh, and it's it's not wrong to say revolution, is like you said, you know, yes, the mutual setting up mutual aid networks, uh, growing a garden, collecting rainwater, uh, doing barter and crypto, and just general, you know, off the books exchange with your neighbors, uh, growing growing crops and um, and you know eggs and milk and whatever whatever thing, and then you know. Uh, exchanging with your neighbors and even exchanging with people that are not your neighbors was the idea that we've been toying with ideas like that having a homestead um, and just setting up all sorts of networks so not that you're necessarily going out there and becoming fully not only autonomous but like autarchic where you're you're completely self-sufficient on your own because that that doesn't take really a philosophy or if it's a, if it's a philosophy it's a fairly easy to describe one but kind of Doing this, um, creating uh, autonomy and resilience, but also, you know, participating in a society and being an example and like building each other up. And that's what mutual aid networks for. That's what engaging in exchange when you exchange with your neighbors who may or may not be like, uh, uh, you know, fellow travelers or people that are sympathetic with some or all of your ideas. And so we, we kind of focus the, the praxis and we leave the, uh, well, I don't know. We kind of leave the, um, the, the theoretical discussions to podcasts and, and uh, Discord and Twitter, you know. And that's, that's kind of the way we come at it here because these are, these are actions. These aren't just uh, 
theory that sometimes bleeds over into the real world. What we ultimately are for is, is, is a set of actions. And yeah, there's a lot of barriers and stuff that like constrains us, which we could say is a constraint on liberty or freedom. But there's a lot that we, we can do that, you know, may not be illegal or someone's standing there is telling you, no, you stop doing this. But it's not how society is being, I don't know, incentivized to be structured, you know, in, in this kind of uh, libertarian way. So we kind of we, we kind of lead with action first. We lead with action. Sometimes we say solutions. We're not even talking about like, and I think this, there's, a, there's a place for this too, like going out and like visibly you know, uh, feeding feeding the homeless or helping people or doing I don't know like a, uh, what's that, what's that organization that, like built houses for people or whatever. But like, um, in in the name of a certain ideology or certain grouping, it's just kind of like we do. And by building those, like our philosophy is free exchange. Our philosophy is autonomy, and um, and kind of the. Uh, underground or non-statist economy. So just by doing it, you're carrying out kind of that, that philosophy. Well said. Yeah. 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 Positive, positive action is, is what it is, what it's going to take. Um, help out your neighbor. Uh, so like you said, uh, you know, like uh, working with your neighbor, or you said not even your neighbor, I mean, just, just work with anybody. Um, I don't think it should, I don't think any of that stuff should matter. Um, uh, like everybody's got to, we all got to understand a lot. We, we see eye to eye on most things, me and you guys, we see eye to eye on most things. We are not going to agree on everything. 100%. That does not make you my enemy. You know, um, that's the word that we have to spread. Not everybody is your enemy. Uh, opinions, there's not a, a difference in opinion does not mean a fight. Yeah. Uh, let let, let me know, put on my class work together. I was going to say something Go like when you, when you, when you said that it, it made me think of something like uh, just to put on my class war, warrior hat on, I'm not a, a Marxist, but you know, I'm, I, I think I'm very conscious of, of class. Like when I've, I've heard it broken down, like how politics works in this country, like the local state level, especially, like, like you said, there's a certain percentage of people that are hardcore Republicans, a certain percentage of people that are hardcore Democrats. And at the local level, like a lot of times those are like somewhat movers and shakers. They definitely put a lot of it. They put a lot of money into that, into those parties and those, and those projects. And, um, you know, as regular uh, working people, the vast, vast majority of like working class people, just broadly speaking, people in the middle of the working class and going outwards and in, in different directions, people that are just going about their lives, trying to save up uh, enough to work sometimes paycheck to paycheck, just trying to make it secure housing, secure, you know, uh, uh, a, a safe environment for their children and everything. The vast majority of those people are not, they're certainly not really significant political donors in any way monetarily they're probably not very ideological and these aren't even ideologically based parties and they're certainly not like the real zealots of these parties you you generally see like honestly when you go about you'll see a lot a lot of these people that are hardcore hardcore trump fans or hardcore hardcore democrats um 
it really I think clusters around a surprisingly high uh, income bracket. They've done this. They've done the studies. I mean, I don't. I can't cite any off the top of my head, but it's this surprisingly uh, like high income bracket of people that are like these political party zealots, and the vast majority of us are almost just being taken taken for a ride. So uh, I think that really backs up kind of our outlook. You know, um, not to say you know. We, well, yeah, we should just take the working class because, yeah, those those upper middle class, you know, local the local elites and this, the regional elites and so forth and so on, they have like they have a pony in the race. But the vast majority of us, frankly, frankly, don't except that we're kind of stuck in this stuck in this cage. And we want to see if we can do reduce a little harm to us as to what happens to us being stuck with the rest of the rats, so to speak. Yeah, the, the, the class warfare, um, the way I view it is all these politicians, they're predators. They are predators. Um, I mean, honestly, how many politicians have you seen in your lifetime that were genuinely concerned about the well-being of their constituents rather than they were just out for themselves? Very, it's very, very few. Very, few. Yeah. very, very few. Um, you know, like I think so like Bernie Sanders, I hate Bernie Sanders. I mean, I don't hate them. I strongly disagree with his view and outlooks uh, and his outlook on things, but I could probably say that he's probably the most genuine politician that I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, I think, I think he, he truly does. Yeah. Yes. I, I think he truly does care and he really believes what he says. I don't, I don't agree with what he says. You know, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a Bernie bro or anything like that, but I do. I think he is the most genuine politician that I've ever seen in my lifetime. Um, one that truly does care. Um, and I kind of hate the way, I kind of hate the way that, uh, the, the, the DNC treats him. Um, he was like the favorite one for the, the past two, primaries um and he just you know just got pushed aside and all for uh for big for for idiots people that don't believe what they say hillary clinton did not believe a single word that she said that's how much that woman lies she don't trust herself and biden doesn't even know what he's saying you know <laughs> and bernie got thrown off to the side and it's they just go it's these people they they like you said um movers and shakers um they just make these backdoor deals and snake their ways into there, and that yeah, these, across both parties. These parties at every level—they're—they're they're, um, mostly backed by the the money and the the organization, the volunteer time effort of like, you know, whatever on whatever level the, the local elites or like you know, like I said, the state or regional elites in in, in big in big interests. So. Even if it's not, you know, big corporation, it's people that sit on big corporations board or people own the own big local business or, you know, major employer in the city and stuff. And um, it really is true. Like you can you can sit on your, your cities or, or um, counties GOP or the Democratic Party. And I mean, the interests are not. Um, you know, every day, uh, Joe the plumber or whoever, you know, I mean, that's just, and, yeah. and you're right. Bernie's a, Bernie's a genuine populist. And I think I'm, most people, most people agree with that, but, um, populism more often than not is just a tool to kind of, uh, appeal to resentments and then, you know, never actually solve them. And I don't think they can be solved politically anyway. Yeah. We, um, so the mayor of Colorado Springs, 
I couldn't even tell you his name. There is like no local, like there's, there's the, the local government doesn't do anything here. I can't even tell you the mayor's name. However, I do know that now it's, it's supposed in, in quotes, his wife owns several strip clubs and a few other businesses where I'm pretty sure they were his businesses, but oh no, hey, they belong to my wife. They don't belong to me. Um, but yeah, he's a big time local businessman. And I'm pretty sure that's how he got his way into, into that position because he had local interests here. And I'm sure he's, he's helping out his, his own pockets and the pockets of his buddies around town. But I can't even tell you his name. I don't even know who the mayor of my city is. Yeah, it's crazy. We have a, a system that relies on like uh, a voting franchise. So we're, we're people try to get the votes. And I think the biggest indictment of like electoralism and the, the liberal democracy in general is this, that you have a system uh, that where every adult that's a citizen has has the right to vote, correct? And then you get the end result that just uh, every level that you go up, that you get basically the uh, the poster boy of the of the local elites, the most electable electable poster boy or girl of the uh, local and uh, or county and state and nation national elites gets into power to, to kind of push the interests of and it's no I'm not surprised I'm not surprised that like you know banks get have that that's that's actually a fundamental part of a liberal democracy like the big companies and, and corporations like i'm not surprised in any specific type of government that those people have an influence on the government but i mean you know at the same time like superficially it's supposed to be one man one vote and that's what people were taught uh growing up and and, and i think people want to believe that that's how things are decided in this country and I, I just don't see how the end result could possibly and the end result pretty much to me just trashes the idea of liberal democracy altogether no, that's what liberal democracy is. I mean, if of course those with access to resources are going to control more sway over um, elect the electoral process and the government and the bureaucracy. I mean, who else can afford to? You know what I mean? Like it, all that costs money, and it's like you said, the working person, you know, just trying to put food on the table. They don't have time for that. They're trying to get their, you know, their bills paid and their kids to the college and their food on the table. That uh, the people that have time for that are the people that have access to, you know, they have money and power. So they've got time to either rub elbows or move up the political ladder or make the right deals. You know, that's just it's the nature of this system. It's a nature. It's a a symptom of this system itself. It can be no other way. So I mean. Um, I don't, that's why there is no hope in electoral politics. I mean, even if you could raise the money and get somebody in there, you're fighting against a giant machine that wants it to go a different way because it's in their interests to keep it going the way it is. Um, but I mean, all right. So we, we all know about the, what the problem is. Well, like we're, we're, what are, what are the, what's the move then? Like what's, Build what's a, your what, community, right? So how, how do we do that your, there? Now, when I say community, I don't mean physical, like, area in which you live. I mean the people that are around you. Um, that's, that's where you need to start. You need to start with yourself first. Um, 
and then go out from there. Uh, something I recently did, I was uh, uh, one of a few people down here in Southern Colorado. We started up the uh, Southern Colorado Civil Defense Front or the uh, SoCo CDF. Um, now what that is, it's not a militia. We are not a political organization or anything. We are just a group of people. Each of us has our own special, we'll say skills. Um, and uh, we all bring something to the table. Uh, no leaders in this thing. It's kind of like a round table. Um, no leaders, but everybody has like a certain responsibility. And what it is, is if, if any one of us are in any sort of trouble or anything, the rest of us are there to help that person out. Um, you know, it's, 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 we don't, we don't want to rely on, we don't want to rely on, on, on the government, uh, to, to take care of us. We've seen how they take care of things and they don't, they take care of themselves. Um, it sounds like so a, recently, uh, it sounds like a mutual that, aid network or a, a mutual defense exactly pack or both. 100%. Sort of. It is a, yeah. it is a mutual aid. Uh, it's a mutual aid organization. Um, yeah, we don't care. Nobody, nobody uh, cares about what your political affiliation or lack of affiliation is. Nobody cares what your um, ID, you know, ideologies are or anything. We don't, we don't promote any of that. We don't stand behind any sort of politicians um, as a group, as a collective. Um, we're all just out there. We're we're, we're just going to help each other out. Um, so, what are some examples? Like what, what, do you, what are some of the things you guys do? Well, a lot of the stuff we get together, a lot of the stuff that we do, um, we get together. So we have a guy who is a farmer. I grew up in Philadelphia. I didn't grow up growing my own shit. I didn't, I didn't really have much experience growing crops or anything. We have a guy who is a farmer. We all got together and he started giving us all the basic shit on how to grow some crops. So now I am comfortable enough where I could go out back of my house right now if I really wanted to, and I could grow some shit. Um, we have another guy who is a we have another guy who is a butcher. So I'm pretty good at hunting and tracking. Um, I'm not really good at, at skinning a deer. I have somebody that can help me out with that now. Um, it's just it's just things like that. Um, and then, like I said, I'm good at hunting and tracking. If if worse comes to worse. And we're in a scenario where we all have to rely on each other. We'll be able to eat. I can go out there and I can provide the actual, the meat. I can bring home the meat for us all. And we have a guy that could cut it all up and cook it for us. Uh, but, but it's, it's just all mutual aid. Um, that's why I said, build your own community around you. Get together a group of people that you trust and people that you can work with and then go out from there. Yeah, that sounds a lot like uh, um, Carl House's uh, community technology that we reference a lot on, on the show. Um, when he got his group of people together, well, of course, we got to mention him. When he when he got um, his uh, group together, I think they called it community technology um, in uh, Adams Morgan in D.C. Uh, you know, he kind of actually he did like a survey. Well, he he did a, a social a network of people that he knew, but then he I think he did a survey of different people's skills and different people's uh, abilities and different stuff they have like a, a workshop or you know, some machine tools and, and and whatnot or different kind of equipment you know um so both 
in terms of ideas and like physical like tools and uh and, and also like the space they might have available to them you know a little warehouse workshop or yard of some sort of acre land there not not in adams market obviously but um and through that that was like a key part of how he kind of planned the initial stages of organization of this kind of like community community group and that specialization because you got like you do naturally have all sorts of different types of people in the neighborhood like he really emphasizes exactly that like if you can find out all that information just uh put put out put it out put your feelers out there and kind of get that information um because of that specialization you can have like a lot of your bases covered a lot of different people um kind of dealing with what uh the set the sectors and the stuff that they know best through their education and experience and, and the tools they have available for them and then they can also you know spread that knowledge kind of you can you can you can have the community group as a clearinghouse to spread that knowledge to everybody who 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 uh wants it so um yeah i mean that, that's like a key part of the of, of the initial stages of, of organizing because uh you're going to want to have people of a wide variety of different uh different skills and abilities yeah we uh we kind of I don't want to say we're we're necessarily preppers, but we 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 are prepared for uh, for like a shit hits the fan scenario. That's what we started building this around. Like, hey, if worse came the worst, it's going to be a lot easier to do this with help from other people than it is on your own. So we 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 figured out. All right, if you're going to have to build from scratch like a community, what are some very valuable people? that you would want to have there. Um, so we got a, so we have a butcher, we have a farmer, we have a mechanic, we have a carpenter, we have a metal fabricator. Uh, we got a guy that's good with, you know, on the computers, all the technology shit and all. And uh, we each have kind of like, like I said, there's no leaders. There's, we all have responsibilities. Um, and now we're all recruiting based off of what our responsibility is. And then that person will kind of oversee everybody that falls under their responsibility. Um, yeah, that's, I, I strongly suggest everybody do that. So like we have the builder, if we have to build something, we got the, we got the, the carpenter slash construction guy. He's going to oversee all that, but we're all going to be out there swinging hammers, you know, like we, anybody can swing a hammer but it's going to take somebody to know what they're actually doing that, you know, to design the ship that's got to get built. Um, yeah. You gotta, you gotta start with your, your local, your, your own personal community. And yeah, I love to hear spread it spread out. Like I said, like I said, at the very beginning of the show, you got, you got to start small and then spread out. Yeah. And this is, this, I think this is like coming pretty natural. Like, I don't think that, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, do, I don't think y'all have like a huge amount of, uh, of like background in uh, anarchist organizing or any kind of, um, any kind of theoretical basis behind there or, or everybody's read this book or that book of Carl Hess or whatnot. I think it, it, it's not, it comes naturally and you can, because of that, because it's, it's not, political in nature it doesn't um it doesn't restrict you to people that are uh you know strictly like-minded because the ideology is 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 really way too rigid for what we're trying to do yeah no we we don't even discuss any of that stuff really 
we just uh, we just discuss each other like what can we do to help each other out that's it yeah and that, that's kind of the more the orientation that we have about the podcast about how about, about what we do now of course when we're on the podcast we love talking about theory we love talking about philosophy and everything but that's there's a time and a place you know right so uh, this is more for the audience listening but uh, for you as well and i'm not saying you would want to do this but with the people that you just listed you're 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 the people in your mutual aid network all of you could exist and interact with each other without actually interacting with the outside world if unless you really wanted to for the most part and, you know if you if you had a medical doctor and a surgeon in there with you Honestly, you wouldn't need the, you could do everything that you, uh, most of the things that you needed within your own small little group there. You know, you got your builder, you got your metal fab, metal fab, you got your farmer that's producing food. Uh, you know, you got your, uh, um, you hunting and your, and you got your butcher. You know what I mean? It's like if, if worse came to worse, you don't need, you don't even need the, you don't need society at all. You already have your own internal society. And if everyone did that, it would be uh, it would remove a significant amount of power from that society has over the rest of us. If everyone did what you're doing, yeah, dude, this is the blueprint for like a, a lot of honestly what we talk about on the show, and a lot of it gets. I always get on like we can't just make our own, you know, self sufficient homesteads. That could that we need enough of those to be the basis because we're all about taking taking the means of production just not not in the commie way but you know you are you're at a pretty good healthy stage of like exactly what we're talking about in terms of community building and localism and and i i love to see it and i'm i'm, I'm really happy that because it's gonna be necessary i'm really happy that you have that level of specialization uh available to you it sounds like it's it's working out really well yeah, it's going good. Uh, we went out yesterday and uh, went out scouting out a spot where we can go. We found the spot. It's a uh, public land where we can go and we can shoot and all. So that's going to be more like the people that are with me. We can go out there and we can, uh, you know, zero in our rifles, get some, you know, practice our shooting and everything too. Um, I shot off one round out of my nine millimeter pistol while I was out there, but it was just a matter of taken a few hours out of my day to go find a spot that is public access to everybody where we can go and, and practice these things and hone our crafts you know yeah um, you gotta you gotta be able to put in you gotta be able to you gotta be willing to put in the work it's not going to be easy yeah i think that's a west of the practice, mississippi practice, thing practice. all that public land i think yeah. that's a west of the mississippi thing i live in one of the original 13 colonies so we don't have all that i i wish we did i wish i could yeah. go out to some public land um there's some public ranges but generally you've either got to know somebody with some land and i god willing hope to have some one day or uh you've got to uh, pay for access but you know we, we all deal with the with the um with the uh surroundings and situation that we have yeah they uh, i know what it's like i'm from i'm i'm from philadelphia oh, yeah like yeah, said, yeah that's where i'm from originally um a lot of fishing. That's where I learned. I learned how to fish in Philadelphia. So a lot of fishing out there. Um, but uh, I had to get away from Philadelphia and learn how to hunt and all, because um, you don't really, you don't really get the privilege of going out and shooting guns. Well, I mean, they shoot guns in Philadelphia all the time, but usually have people. 
but you know you don't really get the <laughs> privilege of uh going out to hunt in philadelphia i had to get away from there but uh learn just learn from everybody so i don't have any bow experience i am teaching myself how to shoot a, how to how to hunt with a bow now uh just because I, it's just a good skill to have um i got enough rifles and all that i can go out and get just about any animal but i want to learn how i want to learn how to do it with a bow um so you gotta you gotta start small think small um you can't really you can't really make that big of an impact if you don't know exactly who you are first you got to learn you got to you got to know who you are and know your own strengths and weaknesses first and then go from there cool got got something i want to bring up for you um I, you know we can talk about all sorts of different uh prepping and survivalism tactics uh but um have you have you done any inroads in uh your comms you, you know communications i know you're interested in radios i i tend to um roll with a uh, with a handheld radio a lot. Don't have anything more powerful than that. Um, but And of course we have all sorts of encrypted and non-encrypted means of uh, electronic communication that we all use, like, kind of like the one we're using. Um, what, 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 do you, uh, what do you recommend and what do you use as far as uh, your different forms of comms for different scenarios? So that's actually something when we were out doing the scouting yesterday that we were discussing um, because in a word, you know, Worst kind, the worst type of a scenario. Um, there's a very good chance that that stuff's all going to be gone. We're not going to have a way. Uh, Cell service so and data, that, internet. Yeah. Yeah, I even said yesterday. I'm like, shit. We're going to have to use like smoke signals. We're going to have to do this old school. Maybe <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, yeah, that that did come up yesterday. That topic of discussion while we were out there. Um, that is something we're working on. Um, in the meanwhile, my. Uh, so I said, we have that, that one, we have a tech geek guy. Um, he handles all of, he handles all that type of stuff, but the way we, we're not too incredibly concerned about it right now, because what we're doing, nothing we're doing is illegal. There's nothing there's, we are not committing any crimes or breaking any sort of laws. Um, so we're not too, too, too concerned. Um, about like the encryption i mean we all use like the uh what's this thing that we're on right now like the telegram and signal and all that sort of stuff um to message but uh um yeah that's that's something that we spoke that we spoke about yesterday that we well, next time we get together um in a couple of weeks we're gonna uh really talk about it come up with some some ways to get around that like hey you know we do have to talk to each other when we're out here. Um, pace. We always use pace. Um, that's a primary, alternate, contingency, emergency. So every situation, we always have four plans. Okay. That's um, cool. So that's 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 what we'll sit down. We'll come up with. This is going to be our primary communication, and then you know three backups. Yeah, Emergency's yeah. going to be the goddamn smoke signal type shit. They were out there. Yeah, I think everybody but, should at least go with the uh, the the UHF VHF radios, and um and and when you, if you get, if you equip your all your guys, you you're really going to have to like every time you change your setup, you're going to have to go out there, especially up in the, with the mountains and everything. You're going to have to actually test that shit out, like um on the on the spot and in different locales to see how it actually works in the field. Um, but I'm I'm a big proponent of that. I've, I've never gotten my uh you know, government license. I've never actually used it a whole lot either. Um, but I'd say it's a major part of my, um, down to like my everyday 
well, I mean, I, I, I touch my radio, my, my radio handset every day because that's, that's really, once all this stuff goes down, the internet and uh, all these, uh, the cell networks, all this really, so it's complex infrastructure. It's, it's, it's high level technology. It requires constant, um, constant upkeep. And it, it, it's, it's not, it's more resilient than people think. I mean, you know what, you have these wars going on somewhere like Syria, Libya, and they've got internet access the whole time. So on some level, yeah, yeah, you're, a certain amount of severe disruption to order can happen and you still maintain like cell service and even like data and, and whatnot. Then you got satellites and they take a while to, before they will fail if they're not maintained or replaced. But like uh, ultimately, if you don't have direct access to like the uh, the, the um, radio spectrum, you're really depending on. So this is what we something we talk about a lot. You're really depending on a, a system that you have no control over, no part in maintaining, no, and no real connection to other than one of a billion users. Um, and that's kind of how I think. Also, we, we uh, second I kind of see. Uh, um, uh, the uh, kind of the auto autonomy, the self, the self sufficiency, is that when it comes to like production and, and exchange, we outsource a lot of what we do, and it's not wrong in, in, in a lot of cases. Like we enjoy a high standard of living, but we outsource a lot of what we do to others. So we 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 go to work, we uh, you know sell our labor directly to to, to the uh, to the company. We outsource production. We outsource the exchange to big to big stores. We outsource. I mean, we outsource. Uh, not that I signed this over, made a conscious choice. We outsource our uh, choice of of currency to to the Federal Reserve and the government. Um, and so a lot of time, what we talk about, like autonomy, we talk about taking that back into our own hands and and, and to to do to you know, capture methods of doing those things that we have direct control over. And we start by doing those things locally because, you know, you know, the easiest way to do, do these things is with people that you personally know. And there's a certain level of trust built in because you get very much, much more complex when you start dealing with people that you don't have a basic level of familiarity with and trust. Um, so, so long story short, I mean, I think a lot of people want to stay in, you know, autonomy, prepping um, and the you know, local community or localism. But that's breaking down kind of how, how we come at those things. Yeah. Um, so you were saying, you know, in Syria where they have the Internet and all. Um, you're right. They do. However, you got to think us in the, the over here is the the united states our uh our neighbors our next door neighbors canada and mexico they're they're not gonna try to attack us at all if we were to get attacked actually on american soil it i mean china's really the only one that would do it and the first thing they're going to do is they're going to go after the power grid it's going to be the very first thing that they do whether it's through hacking or through like an emp or something so there's a very good chance that 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 shit might go away. It might go down. We might not have access to it. Um, by all means, you can make the internet like, like I said, have the pace. Um, you can have that as your primary, but you better have an alternate, a contingency, and an emergency plan too. Because I I actually could see that happening if anybody was to ever attack the United States. Um, 
the first thing they're going to go for is the power grid. Well, going back to Syria, it may not even it, yeah. it may not it may not actually be a physical attack. They may not even put they may not even you know drop bombs or put boots on the ground over here. Just getting into our power grid and shutting that shit down, that's going to be enough. That is a you possibility imagine, could, on some level. Yeah, could you imagine if our if our power if the power in the United States was down for how many days? It would just only be a few days before it's just widespread panic. Yeah, well, there's three different big power grids and whatnot, but we saw what happened in Texas if you time it right. But I, I think a lot yeah. of people would agree when you when you brought up China. I think a lot of people would agree that uh, the, I think the big place this could come come from, um, and just looking at Syria as an, as an example, is from within. So if there is a you know, a breakdown in order, law and order here, you know, civil conflict, that's a huge, I mean, that's the one thing that can't be planned against in the same way that you can plan, you can plan against a, a foreign military or whatnot. And um, not that there couldn't be a grid down scenario for all sorts of reasons, it could be a, a huge solar flare, who, who knows. But, um, right. but if, if anything actually breaks down, uh, uh, so-called, you know, law and order and and and, and uh, the supply supply chains and whatnot is, I think, a large possibility that it will be a civil conflict from within, because it's just a huge freaking country, and, and like we always say, it doesn't scale up. Yeah, and uh, that uh, Patriot Front thing that happened last week is kind of a sign that like. I mean, that thing was pretty well organized, whether, you know, I mean, I see that had a uh, glowy written all over it, but nobody knew about that. It's a lot easier to do some shit in this country that nobody can find out about. So when you say like, yeah, it can happen from within, um, I believe it. Um, but yeah, that's a good theory too. So like, um, that could happen from within. But my uh, my point was, man, if you're not like, investing in some sort of like solar energy for your home or like a generator or something i think you're crazy you really do need to start looking into that um because all of our communications and everything are done electronically uh you're gonna need you you you, you gotta have a plan just always have a plan that's so, a, 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 and and it's a shame that having a plan is viewed as being radical i know that's bizarre yeah. to me but it's it's crazy like i like it's better safe than sorry, right? Like that's the the old cliche. Better safe. No, than no, sorry. it's it's the other way around, man. Uh, I think people should have a plan, and if that's the if that's a gateway to, um, it's just popping into my head. If that's a gateway to radicalism, then I'm all for it because that's I think uh, <laughs> I think that'd be the most yeah. popular gateway to radicalism. Then in in, in that case, well, people are getting radical when they're going to the store and finding that there's no food on the shelves. You know what I mean? So I have I have cases of MREs. Not just at my home that I live in, but stashed around other places. I have, I have four hundred gallons of water in those five those five gallon jugs stashed away in my house. Um, I just moved into this house in August, but solar and a backup generator are in the works. Everything, everything. Just have a plan. Even if I have to use, even if I have to use that generator like one time, it paid for itself. You know, it's just. I, it's it's crazy to me that doing that, like they, we see the shelves in the stores are empty. They're getting empty. Meanwhile, I'm sitting on a lot of food. I got meat freezers and, and, and MREs. I got all kinds of shit. 
people view I, me I, as being crazy. Man, I pray you never have to eat those MREs because that is some mean shits. I you spent that right. 13 years. I oh, spent 13 geez. years eating those things, man. Oh. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> it's a worst case. Hey, there you go. That's just part of my pace. Right. My, my you know, my pace plan. <laughs> right. So, a like, what you're saying is ha- have a, a, a bunch of different um, plans. And that's, an, that's excellent exactly. advice. Here's the thing if you're you planning for. Right. If you're planning for an absolute crazy ass zombie apocalypse, oh, I wish that might not happen, <laughs> right? Right. No, yeah. I am. Trust me. But it, like, I'm just saying, if you're planning for the absolute craziest worst case scenario, that gives you that means that you're prepared for a lot of less uh, less bad scenarios. So a local storm, tornadoes, a regional flooding, uh, power grid goes down in Texas. Like if you're playing for the worst and some bad shit happens to you, you're good. Like right now, like if you if you tomorrow lost your job or whatever, had no source of income for six months or whatever the hell, you got plenty of food to live on. You know, that's not a grid down scenario, but because you were prepared for that grid down scenario, you're prepared for whatever, you know, smaller problems that might come along as well. So, um, you know, you plan for the worst. And this is also going to make it, it'll actually make life easier for you. Like, um, my, like, I'll give you an example. My wife didn't want to go grocery shopping today. So we just broke into the canned goods. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'm, well, we got all this food sitting here. I'm going to, you know, break into the canned goods. We'll make something, throw something together. And, you know, so like me planning for a zombie apocalypse made this small problem easier. You know what I mean? So it's just, it, it scales up and to have like multiple plans for different situations that already puts you in the mindset of like planning ahead for potential um, bad uh, potential downturns, whatever that is. Like I said, it could, man, it could be like you said, an EMP could be a solar flare could be the zombie apocalypse, but it could be something really simple. Like you lost your job or you had a bad storm and you're out of power for a week or, you know, there's shit always goes bad in life. Like the more you can prepare for it in the good times, the better off you are in the bad times. Like it's, it's, it's that simple. And you mentioned, um, generators and solar panels. Now, something I've been thinking about recently is, and I don't know how to do the math on this specifically, but do you think it's, it would be easier to learn how to do the, these things without electricity rather than just spend the resources, time and energy to actually produce electricity. You see what I'm saying? So like if you're spending all this time storing diesel and trying to get your generator to, you know, to run, to run your, this specific thing, when you could have spent that time just storing things that you didn't need a refrigerator for or learning how to do things manually without electricity instead of like uh you know banking on producing your own electricity do you think there is a um do you think the trade-off makes sense you see what i'm saying like do you, yeah. do you think it would be less effort energy resources to just learn how to do things without electricity or to spend a whole lot of time money and resources to try to produce electricity to do the thing you know what i mean so the, the the solar and the uh, generator 
that could uh-huh. be your alternate plan. That's your plan B. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's always it's always prepare for the worst. Um, it's yeah, train train you know train yourself on on how to get by without any of that stuff. You know, so it's like you know uh, you can get. Uh, I'll have that stuff pretty soon. The generator and the the solar panels. But yeah, I still need to be prepared. Like. Okay, hey, what if I can't get the diesel? What if, you know, what if something does happen to my solar panels? What am I going to do? Um, always have the backup plans and always always train based off of a worst case scenario. Right. On an absolute worst case scenario. Uh, practice, with, you know, what you're going to do if you don't have any sort of power in your home or access to anything like that. Um but yeah, that's that. That would kind of the, the generator and the solar panels would kind of. They're still sort of luxury items, you know. Um, not everybody that you know. I understand not everybody has the privilege of uh, being able to afford things like that because they are expensive. They really are. But uh, so for, train, train like okay. I still have power in my house, and okay, um, I don't have power in my house. Uh, Start looking at it from both angles. You know, um, train train how you fight. That was one thing that I. That's one thing that I really took from the army. Um, put yourself through absolute awful conditions, just as practice, for when it really does happen, you're ready for it. Yeah, well said. Um, I just think that I, I just think that like trying to store like thousands of gallons of diesel to run your generator to, you know, try, try to live like you would normally. I see this a lot from like prepping guys is like, they, they think that they're somehow going to live like they kind of already do by buying all this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, we'll just get a thousand. It's eventually going to run out. So you'd think you'd be better off just instead of sp- investing all that money into like a th- thousand gallon diesel tank and, you know, trying to store all this fuel. And, you know, so it's like, just learn how to do it without it. You know, like it can be done. And and oftentimes it seems like the, the amount of effort and resources you put into trying to do it the way we do it now, you could have just spent that time and effort and resources and just done it without the, the electricity. You know what I mean? It'd be, it's almost like a, it almost seems like a wash to me especially when you get to some of these crypto guys and they're like, cause I tell them like, well, look, if the internet goes down, this crypto's worth nothing. <laughs> well, well but guess what? You can put it on a generator and run it through the ham radio. And I'm like, listen, if we're in a situation where like we have to run a generator to get electricity and run it through a ham radio, nobody's going to give a fuck about cryptocurrency. It's going to be band-aids, you know, like tobacco, moonshine, medicine, like that's going to be currency at that point. It's not, nobody bees. was worried about your cryptocurrency. Bees. Bees or beans? Bees, use bees. Beans too. Bees, bees. Yeah, yeah. Beans, bullion, beans, bullion, bullets, and um, bees. Yeah, yeah. Bees. Honey. Yeah. yeah but, no. but food. Yeah. Like the things that you actually need. You know, nobody's going to be worried about. You know, speculating on Bitcoin at that point. You know what I mean? Maybe gold or silver or something, but it's mostly going to be like essential goods. It's yeah. going to be money. Yeah, I mean, 
it, it, we don't, we can't even predict like it. Worst case scenario, um, and like I said, we're not always playing for worst case scenarios, but worst case scenario, none of those things that takes like complex supply chains and uh, fossil fuels being the most obvious example, like, uh, you know, unless it's localized, like you're, you're Syria and there's a bunch of other countries around there with intact or partially intact infrastructure. Um, and then, yeah, maybe, but uh, yeah, you're not getting, um, you're not getting diesel fuel, refined diesel fuel into the interior of the country if, if um, you're talking about a, a SHTF situation, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, abs absolutely. I totally agree with you on that. We, um, uh, one thing, one thing that we are doing, we found there's a kind of local uh, survivalist school. Uh, they're one of the top rated in the country. Um, they have a 50 day course. You go out into the woods with these guys for 50 days and live off of the land out there. Um, that's next summer in June. Uh, we are all strongly, well, not all of us, a few of us are strongly considering going to do that. Um, that's just one of those steps that I'm taking to, to, to better myself. Um, and that's not just skills I could use for myself. I could use those skills to help other people too. You know, if, if, if something were to happen and I'm, I'm, you know, with my family, that's going to benefit my family too, not just me. Um, but yeah, that's something, look, I suggest people look into that stuff. There's people, they are professionals that go out and they do this sort of stuff. Um, they offer all sorts of courses like, uh, like a two day land navigation course, um, I can skip that. I'm pretty good with that. Um, but yeah, I want to learn that 50 day because what if wow. I don't have anything at all? Eventually, eventually, you know, that diesel fuel, it's going to run out and I'm going to have to get out into these goddamn woods up in the Rocky Mountains here and have to be able to feed myself and my family and others. You know, honestly, knowing some bushcraft uh, would help anybody. You know what I mean? Like I know my sister and we grew up hiking in the woods, and our parents were pretty savvy with the outdoors, but she got lost hiking in the woods at night. You know what I mean? So it's like um, bush, uh, you know, learning bushcraft skills can help you even if, like, you're an, a city dweller. Like, because if you ever go out into the woods and you go for a little hike, and all of a sudden you take a wrong turn, and all of a sudden it gets dark, and you have to spend a night in the woods and you're lost, you know, it's good to know these skills. You know, it's, 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 yeah, it's unlikely, but it happens all the fucking time to like all sorts of people. People get lost in the fucking woods. Yeah. So it's just good skills to have, even if you are like, you do live in the city. I don't know. So I, th I think yeah. I kind of just came up with a little bit of a framework uh, in terms of prepping and skills. And um, and then with skills comes the necessary equipment to, to be able to properly use those skills. So you can kind of look at things and in, in, in on two different dimensions. You can look at um, you can look at the short term, medium term and long term um, tactics. And then you can look at uh, prepping for um, small scale, medium scale large scale, I guess, scale and scope, um, events. And so what, what you're saying, uh, uh, Felix is that, you know, by going out there, I think you have some of those bases covered. So you, I think you have maybe a uh, short and then you're starting to go with medium term 
kind of strategies, you're starting to get those covered. You've got um, and you've, you've got a certain amount of experience that you, you come to, you've come to the table with, and then you have like uh, small, medium scale uh, events that you can deal with. Again, c coming from your group and then personally, skills and equipment you have to bring into the table. But like for someone like me, like I don't have necessarily the ability to like uh, do a homestead, do start uh, uh, preser preserving food. Uh, come, uh, I don't have time to do a 50 day bushcraft and, and whatnot, survival course or anything, but what we, we can go into that like little matrix and, and say, what can I do? I can do, um, I can plan for short term, small scale and medium scale. So, uh, you know, tr different things in like trauma medicine. So how to stop major bleeding and how to, you know, render first aid and then like, uh, to treat major, major industry. Uh, injuries before to get somebody to some more medical care to do uh, basic, uh, you know, pistol shooting, uh, carbine, to uh, you know get get some finally take out my shotgun to um, do some shooting with. Because I'm in the middle of the city, it's a little, little bit of a hassle to get out to a to a proper range, um, and and just various skills are going up from that. And then you know I may not, I may be kind of SOL in my current situation if there is a large scale uh, uh, disaster. I might have a, a short-term immediate plan. I might not be able to necessarily uh, build something except for a certain amount of skills for, for your medium or long-term, but I can, you know, I can at least get myself out of the city or get me, myself somewhere where I can survive to get to uh, week two of the large scale disaster or whatnot. So I think if you break it down like that, just like you broke down things in, in, under the uh, PACE acronym, like we can we can say, okay, I can cover, I'm in a position to cover this space and this space and this space. And then like, God willing, I hope to be in a situation where um, I can take a, a big survival course, get take a, like a Siri course, take a, you know, learn, learn some proper land navigation instead of just, you know, at the very minimum, though, I'll watch a, a YouTube video or two. I'll get, I'll get a book or an army field manual or, or something like that. Yeah, I was just going to say Army Field Manuals are all public <laughs> access. You can just get those online. And mm -hmm. I use a lot of my stuff. I was just talking about today on Twitter in a group chat. Um, I have one somewhere. About the PACE acronym. What's that? Yeah, I have a, I have a essay. I have a um, SAS. Uh, like it's, it's like the SAS field manual for it's, it's survival or something. Um, it, it's not exactly Siri, yeah. but yeah, there's there's some good resources out there that are that are not hard to find. But definitely Army field manuals, like I said. Yeah, I I, uh, I spoke about the the pace in a group chat on Twitter today, and then I also uh, I brought up, hey, look, plan based on the Army supply classes. You find that online. And that's how I make my my little preparations around the supply classes. Um, it it really does help you out. Um, those are a lot of the, there's 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 a lot of things that I took about I took from the army um, that are really beneficial in the real world stuff like that um, in a worst case scenario type of situation. Uh, you can put you can build your your you know your little supply room up based off of those classes. Um, and you go in that order. They're in that order for a reason. Um, a lot of people, a lot smarter than me, came up, sat down and came up with that. And it works. If you look at it, it's almost like common sense, uh, things that you would want to have on hand and in what order you want to get them in. Um, 
something else that I've really been pushing with people, um, you know, I'm very pro gun. Everybody should have them. Um, if you don't want to have them fine, whatever. Um, I had a large variety of guns in different calibers. Now in a shit hits the fan scenario, am I going to be grabbing nine millimeter pistols, 45 millimeter pistol, 10 millimeter pistols, along with all their ammo, along with five, five, six rifles, seven, six, two rifles. And all? am I going to have the time or the ability to even do that? No, I'm not. I have every, I now have everything, every, Every firearm that I own now only shoots 5.56 five, or 9 millimeter. That's Amen. It. Yeah, oh, so that's, that's pretty that extreme. Go. Yeah, I've always, yeah, I've I always got that shit and go. Yeah, I've always just chosen, like, okay, what are the, uh, so there's basically like three major rifle calibers. Uh, but yeah, if, if you have a group you can coordinate with, even better. But yeah, you, I, I wouldn't go outside except for specialized use. The three major. Uh, rifle caliber, so 5.56 five, five, uh, five, five, caliber or 5.56 um, five, five, millimeter or uh, two, two, three caliber and get into the slight differences there. Um, 7.62 uh, by 39, 7.62 NATO, 7.62 by 51. That's it. There's no, there's no point. There's no point if you're preparing for anything or just even if, even if that anything is an ammo shortage and, and there's no... Um, problem there's no uh huge uh disruption that disruption could be very just an ammo shortage which we obviously have seen why go outside of that except for certain specialized use um why go outside of like nine millimeter and maybe 45 if you really want it for uh like a act for a actual sidearm um there's, there's, there's really no point because then you're getting into the situation where once again you're dependent you're dependent on supply chains that will break down in any, in any sort of disruption. I'd say also 12 gauge. Yeah, 12 gauge. Oh, for oh, sure. 12 yeah, gauge. I, you know what? I didn't mention. I didn't mention that. I do. I do have 12 gauge too. One yep. shotgun. that's 12 gauge. I went with honestly, the three. Like what I view is like the most the most common types of ammo. So yep. I have an ammo bag with all gotcha. those in it that I can pick up and go. I have a, a, a rifle in five, five, six. That is uh it's a 16 inch barrel with, you know, variable zooms optic on it that I can use for, you know, distances. Um, and then I got a 10 and a half inch one that's more set up for, uh, for close quarters. And then I have two identical nine millimeter pistols. These aren't the only guns that I have, but these are my, like, basically like my quick reaction, like, Okay, shit's going down. Got to go. Grab guns. These are yeah. the four. These are the. These are the. Along with along with the twelve gauge, these are the ones that I'm going that I can grab and go and run with right now. And it's very common ammo. If I run out of the what I have on me, chances are I can I can gather up more. Yeah, I, I just can't can't imagine being dependent on what you what you have available and what you can come up with out of some kind of you know uh, unique or snowflake ammunition. No, I mean if if, if worst comes to worst, and unless you have the money for just a, a massive gun collection, you want to collect whatever. But if, if you if you've got to economize and, and make it make a decision, uh, you know, go with something that you will have ammo cam commonality with with other people. Yeah. Yeah, just go with the, the most. I just got the most common shit, you know, that shit that everybody has. And by definition, it will, it will cost yeah. less. 
cost less too and it will cost less for you to buy a little bit and it'll cost less for you to um you know stockpile and get in bulk as well almost i used you know, to say 22 exactly. also but i don't say that anymore because i don't know why you can't find 22 anymore i've never shot 22 my brother i guess but it's a good round to have in a, a in a it used to be it was dirt cheap so you could go have fun and shoot but it's a good round to have because you can hunt small critters with it easy. So it was a great thing. Yeah. You could buy a box of like a thousand of them for nothing, but also you could shoot rabbits and squirrels and whatever else in a, in a shit hits the fan scenario. So it was great to have just blocks of that stuff sitting around, but now it's like, you can't find it or it's like super, you know, it's starting to get expensive and like, I don't even suggest 22 anymore, but that used to be a go-to for me too, just be, to have, for uh for hunting bird or or um <clears throat> you know rabbits and squirrels and if you got to eat you got to eat you know but um i don't know what it is about 22 like like you said it maybe it's all the boomers are buying 22 i don't i don't know but um it's everybody's just panic buying everything is that it it's yeah. all panic buying yeah yeah oh yeah that's exactly what it is so if somebody has a 22 uh a gun that uses 22 they're just they just panic buy it all up um yeah it's 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 get, it's getting crazy and it's like almost like the powers that be want it to be that way they want you to be scared of of what could happen next um it is it's 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 engineered it's engineered chaos that 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 they're doing yeah the the um, the powers, the elite, the powers that be, they benefit greatly from us being scared, uncertain about the future, and also uh, broke. So, like, um, you know, having to gr keep the, your head down and grind, and so you can, you know, live in yes. a paycheck. So you can't poke your head up. So you can't make waves. So you can't, you know, you can't get ahead. You can't, you know, uh, stack, squirrel away a, a surplus. They. They want, they want, they benefit greatly, even more than fear. I think they benefit from people being broke. Yeah. Um, I mean, if there's one yep. massive conspiracy theory in this realm that I totally, totally buy is that they absolutely, and there may be other reasons why different people might want this, you know, in the financial industry, the banks, whatnot, but they want, they want people to be precarious and they want them to be, well, broke and or precarious so you're a paycheck or two or a missed paycheck or two paychecks away from not being able to feed yourself or your family not being able to afford clothing a shelter um you know food clean drinking water and stuff and uh being leveraged being and i know people should know people should know better especially um if down the road you're going to be someone that this aware like this but you're not, you might not, be, you might not start out in that situation. So whatever the situation might be, I think big picture wise, uh, the more people that are, that are precarious, the less that people are able to withstand. Like you said, they can't poke your head up. You can't go against the flow. You can't even uh, just quit your job suddenly to go find a new one or to move to a different uh, place or to respond to whatever events are going on around you. And that kind of keeps you and it keeps you trapped and it really keeps the the working people of the country from being able to you know have any sort of any sort of stay so yeah you could be either 
a wealthy person with enough assets and enough liquid assets, enough, enough investments to kind of uh, withstand a shock or make a make a choice like that. And you can, or you could be so low on the on the ladder that you just don't have hardly anything to lose at all. But the solid eighty percent in the middle, you know, they're they're they've just got to keep nose to the grindstone and and keep keep working to to live. Yeah, they want you. They want you to be um, dependent and subservient. You know, that's what they want. They want you like you need them. You can't do it without them. And so I'm basically that's, always that's definitely speaking about. Want. Yeah, I keep coming back to class. I keep coming back to class. I'm talking about the middle eighty percent of this country, the vast majority of people, um, and. It's not a it's not a left wing or a right wing thing. It's not a it's, it's, it's I guess it's kind of a populist thing by definition. But it's 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 not a Marxist class narrative or specifically the the, the agorist class narrative. But it, it it comes down to the 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 people that basically you know the the, the vast majority of uh, regular people I think are if they're not going to come to the uh, political ideas I think they. Ha- I think that they're very well suited, although not most people are still going to be apathetic, even to these ideas, even when they don't have like a political tinge. But uh, I think it, it, all of those people would be very well suited to prepare in some way and to become conscious in some way of what we're talking about. And it doesn't require reading theory. It doesn't require to, to, uh, uh, to be in a political group or to to argue over uh, political opinion or or thinkers or books or writing about anyone. Obviously what we're talking about is uh, everyday community building. It, it works in a variety, any setting, uh, urban, suburban, rural, uh, east, west, north and south. So, um, you know, I think you're seeing more and more and more people getting on that when it, if, when it comes to um, natural remedies and, and alternative medicine to uh, power generation to uh, guns and um you know uh, uh military equipment the comms and, and whatnot so uh we can all come together kind of and and specialize just if nothing else just for the fact that we have like a geographic proximity with each other or maybe it is a bunch of like-minded people or just a bunch of people that think uh everybody else is a, a cool person and, and to not have that kind of overtly political um aims because those politics are going to go out the window the second the situation changes and it's not um it's not everything's not 100 percent uh stock shelves paychecks coming in on time etc those politics go out the window all of our politics are completely contingent on uh you know cable news and the the, the uh everything functioning 100 percent as normal you start to see uh cracks around the edges even you start to see you you start to really see lines around the gas station and you start to uh see uh real gaps in the shelves and you start to see a very large percentage than even before unemployment i'm not talking about covid i'm talking about uh something that's not you know a sudden shock like that uh those those uh everyday politics goes right out the window and then, then you, you're going to need uh real skills real connections and real community yeah i uh you, we got to learn how to do more things for ourselves all right sec did you want to do you have any closing 
Yeah, we're gonna have to wrap it up uh, shortly. But uh, so everybody can share some closing closing thoughts. Did you have any uh, sec? No, I, I think Felix was in the middle of saying something. Did you not hear him? Oh no. Oh, okay, sorry, Felix. Oh. Go ahead and finish your thought, but wait. My AirPods, my AirPods died, so I had to take them out. So I'm on speaker oh. right now. Um, but uh, yeah, they. Uh, we got it. Every at, at the end of the day, it all comes down to um, making yourself less dependent on the government. That's what it is. Like, what can I do for myself where I don't need them, or if they're not around anymore? If that that's like the worst. Worst case scenario. Oh, geez. I mean, to us, that's like the best case scenario. But you know, like if that happens, okay, like they're gone now. What, what can I do to take care of myself and my family and my friends? Um, that should be that should be a goal. You know, um, always be ready. Always have a you know, always have a plan. Um, and just getting out here and spreading the word. Like, hey, you know, you can do this without them. You don't need them. You can do this yourself. Um, that, that needs to be our plan right now to, we need to, we need to reach out to that. Like I said, that 50% of the, uh, of the country that's undecided and let them know, like, you know, you don't need either of those guys. You don't need any of them. Uh, you can do this yourself. You can all help each other out. Yeah, for sure. Well said. Um, yeah, we do got to wrap this up. Um, I don't think I had anything to add, but, um, what uh, where can people find you? Do you want to be found? What's your social media? Um, I'm on Twitter. Find me on there. Uh, Rocky Mountain Chaos. That's Rocky M T Chaos C H A O S. Um, yeah, follow me on there. Um, we're planning on putting out more information um, about the uh, the SoCo CDF and all, and uh, something that I really. One of the main things that I hope that comes out of that, uh, out of this little, you know, group that we're putting together, is that people all over the country, people all over the world, uh, start doing it. Um, there's a great benefit. Um, I'm meeting a lot of awesome people through it and all. Um, so yeah, that's that that's that's ultimately like, uh, that would ultimately make me happy if I started seeing other people do it. Because again, we're not doing anything illegal. We're not breaking any laws. Uh, we're just a group of people that are willing to help each other out. There's nothing that says we're not allowed to do that. So don't be afraid. Yeah, to man. Do that. Um, I'm going to be teaching yeah, a close eye on you. We're a mutual aid organization. So get out there Ooh. and and build your community. But yeah, I'm on Twitter at Rocky, uh, Rocky Mountain Chaos. MT Rocky MT Chaos. Yeah, right on, man. I hope you hope you're right, and um, I think a lot of people are doing it. I just don't think that everybody is. Um, it's it's not something you see a lot of, but I think people are just more quiet about it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's, it's because of that you know that unfortunate stigma that uh, we're radicals for right. doing something like There's this. Some, yeah, there is some of that. But, sure. Um, sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to be keeping an eye on you because I think you you have a lot of this. Uh, you're already a step or two ahead in the organizing. Like I've been I've been uh, acquiring stuff, equipment, um, habits, and uh, skills as much as good as i can as a as a lone person i don't really have a whole lot much of like-minded people around me and i know that's that's what i need so there's a certain economies of scale that when, when you deal with other people it makes it a lot easier 
to kind of kind of get into that. And I think I'm going to I'll be looking to you as someone who kind of, you know, some, someone is kind of an example is doing it well and has a real like, strong group of people it's like that you're working with. So I, I wish you the best luck. Definitely going to keep um, keep my eyes on that. And thank you to come coming from on the podcast, man. I think we had a great discussion, and I think we covered a lot of topics that we uh, haven't exactly delved into uh, exactly before. Yeah, man. Oh, thanks, thanks for, thanks for having on. me on. Yeah, hey, it was a good conversation. It was good fun. meeting you. And um, yeah, hang when you want to throw out our Twitter. I can't remember what it is again. Yeah, so um, we're all on Twitter now. Sex on Twitter too. Um, but oh, God. Our, yeah, <laughs> our, um, actually, Boy. I need to update. I need to update. Yes, so we're we're all on Twitter, and uh, Felix and myself are on Twitter a lot. But our our podcast Twitter is Agora underscore Pod. Um, if if you search for us, you you might come across other podcaster um, accounts of various sorts that are called Agora. But we are Agora the podcast at Agora underscore pod. You can find out, um, you know, occasional shit posts and retweets, but also all the announcements of our uh, episodes where you can find us, where you can find uh, the uh, Telegram channel and the uh, Discord. Uh, Sec, do you want to go into uh, how they can get on those? Um, the Discord is Agora the podcast. You can just search that; it'll come up. Um, if you can't find that, you can find me on Telegram at S E K A G. Sorry, S E K M C G O R A, all caps, all one word on Telegram. And also, the uh, Agora the podcast is also has a Telegram group by that same name. Um, I'm on Twitter now, and I think I'm. Sec Magora on there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can find me on Twitter also. I don't know how long I'll be on there, but I'm on there for now. And hey, I just found you and followed you. You better stick around. Huh? <laughs> I just found you and followed you on there. You better stick around. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah. I like to keep it fun on Twitter. I don't do it. Not all my put. I like to talk a lot of shit on there. So, you know, that's, 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 that's another that's Twitter is. Yeah. No, that's yeah. another thing that you're doing though. You're doing something on the social media side, but um, you don't even need to talk about it. Just go follow this guy on Twitter. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about, and maybe we can discuss <laughs> that uh, further in the future because that's what I I, I know you to do. Um, and you can definitely get us um, some updates on how the uh, civil defense stuff is is going because I, I I definitely want to see if I can learn something and maybe replicate that here on the uh, on, on the East Coast because I've always had that kind of mindset big um big hoarder of different different stuff over my shoulder that I'm looking at right now and uh, yeah uh, you're welcome to come back anytime we would love to have you we'd love to talk more about these topics yeah yeah, and yeah apparently anytime. I was already following you I don't know. Oh, you were apparently. I didn't no, because I remember I. Yeah. I Anyways. Oh, that was from you, Penguin. Uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. You were one of the first accounts I told. I said you got to follow, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, right on. Okay. All right. Yeah. So follow all of us and uh, get in contact with us. You can chat with us. You can DM us. You can join our Discord. Uh, but take care, everybody. Peace. So long.
I want 